Hello, good morning, everybody. Well, apparently, um, our technical difficulties have been cleared up, and uh, we're not going to be hearing Austin, uh, <laughs> although that's a good thing to hear Austin. But, uh, but anyway, um, welcome uh, to our, our seminar about um, grandparenting. And can you guys hear me? You can't hear me very much. Okay. Does anybody know? Okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can't hear myself, so that's... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. All right, so... Um, I'm, a, I'm assuming that you're all interested in uh, the topic of um, godly grandparenting. Uh, the subtitle that, uh, about the spoiling thing, I kind of um, said that as a joke to Jay Lennington when he asked me if I'd be interested in doing this, and I guess the title just sort of stuck. Um, you know, to, to spoil or not to spoil, that is the question. But anyway, um, let me start off this morning by asking you all a few questions, and it's audience participation, so please raise your hand if any of this applies to you. So question number one, how many of you are grandparents currently? All right, so almost everybody. Uh, How many of you are not grandparents yet but hope to be someday? Okay, there's some of you. That's good. And how many of you in your many years, and you know, I've seen many familiar faces here, but in your years of being here at Grace Community Church, how many of you have taken a parenting class of one type or another here at the church or at another church somewhere or online or whatever? So most of you, yeah. How many of you have taken a grandparenting class here at Grace Community Church? Yeah, me either. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a first in its, in its, in its, uh, in its, uh, of its type. But, but anyway, um, Yeah, basically today what we're going to do is discover together some biblical principles of grandparenting because I'm a fairly new grandparent myself, so it's not like I have this all figured out and have been doing this for years and years and years and have, you know, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, been through all the different phases of grandparenting, none of that, haven't been through any of that yet. So just getting started out myself too and, and learning myself and Basically, we're going to have a couple of different sections here. <clears throat> this more, the first section is going to have to do with what the biblical um, uh, information on um, investing in generations, in future generations, because that's, that's one of the largest concepts, biblical concepts here, because... Um, the words grandparent and grand, grandson, grandchild, all that, I looked up all of them in all of Scripture, um, you know, thanks to data searches and all those wonderful new tech things, and there weren't very many verses. But what there is is the concept of investment. So the future generations, both our grandchildren and beyond, our children, grandchildren, and beyond, are kind of like our um, spiritual 401K plan. Um, it's what we want to invest in. What you put in, will God will bring great, great dividends. What we don't put in, you know, won't. So it's, it's important to think in those terms. The other thing 
in our first section that we're going to talk about is the start of grandparenting isn't when your grandkids come. It's your relationship with your married kids. So we're going to talk about that because that's really important because if you don't have that right, uh, you're gonna, there's going to be all kinds of problems in the future. So, so with that having been said, um, first we're going to start out with um, what Jesus said in Acts 1.8 before his uh, ascension. And what he said was this in Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And, and you're all familiar with that, of course. But our family is a part of our Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem is the, that, that environs that are right around us. And our kids and grandkids are kind of the start of all that. It's who we spend the most time with. Uh, it's who we have the most influence and most input over for the gospel and for Christ. So um, to try to keep that in mind, you know, as, as moving forward, is there are Jerusalem and that um, we need to um, be witnesses to them. It's so important. So in contrast um, to this um, uh, godly perspective and um, godly pursuit, uh, is kind of what the the current um, uh, construct of what grandparenting is, and and is kind of like what's up on the screen. It's just spoil them and send them home, right? Um, and it's the whole concept of retirement uh, in today's society. Is well, I worked hard, I raised my family, I paid my dues. Um, now I'm just going to go have fun, and you know, to their own families, like you know. Good luck to you guys. You know, now it's your turn. You know, and so that's not really at all um, what, you know, we should be thinking and the way we should think as Christians. So, you know, I thought I'd start off here in just way way of introduction with a few little comics from a comic strip that I actually used to enjoy uh, reading and probably you did too, those of you that are a little bit older, uh, that's been in circulation since 1960. It's called The Family Circus. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that. And basically, it's re- they're really cute um, cartoons that are the perspective of this cartoonist named Bill Keen. And uh, Bill passed away in 2011, and, and one of his sons, Jeff, has perpetuated this comic strip since then. And basically, it's their, his observations on the humorous side and the cute side of family life. And, and a lot of things are pretty funny. So, so here's, uh, here's one of them for you. You know, and it says, uh, I like your new purse, Grandma. Did it come with candy in it like your old one? You know, so that's kind of like the, uh, the spoiling aspect. And, and here's another one. This is a little in-service from the older daughter to the younger um, baby son. You know, he says, there are two magic words to get what you want, please and grandma. So, um, you know, that's, that's uh, kind of cute examples. And you can go online and read more of them. They're, they're kind of, they're really funny and cute and everything. But, but really, you know, there's so much more for us as believers than what the current mentality is, you know, which is um, spoil them or don't be involved with them, you know, all those type of things. So just by way of uh, uh, introduction, um, um, there we are with, 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 the, with the crew. So the one that I'm holding um, 
lives, lives near to us. Her name's McKenna. The two that are in front of my wife, Cammie, uh, Brooklyn and Colby. And then the, the one on the right um, is a little boy that was born about a month ago named Duke. So that's the crew. So, yeah, and, you know, this is so such a wonderful <clears throat> kind of season when they're really little like this. Um, you know, it's just, um, just a joy and so much fun. So basically, um, you know, the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, perspective. And we talked about, you know, kind of that 401k plan of, of investment in, in um, redeeming our relationship for the purpose of the gospel. Um, J.C. Ryle, uh, the last of the great Puritans, has been, has been called that, uh, lived in England, was born in 1816, died in 1900. He was a prolific writer, as many of you know. I'm sure you, a lot, many of you have read his, his writings. And he wrote a lot of kind of like pamphlets about different subjects as well as longer books as, as a pastor and a, a prolific preacher and writer. And he's written some things I'm sure some of you have heard of, Thoughts for Young Men, which is a kind of a classic for dads to give to their sons about being a man uh, as, a, as a believer. And he did write a booklet called The Training of Children, which is based on Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And which, which is well known to all of you. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Ryle's commentary on this, one of the things he said was, did you notice the duty in that verse is not just for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Sunday school teachers, nannies, siblings, family friends, uh, all contribute to influencing children for Christ. So you can tell he's in Britain because he's talking about nannies. Um, but, you know, that, that brings us to the first point, which is um, perspective, having the right biblical perspective. So um, Charles Spurgeon uh, once said, in speaking about reaching future uh, generations for the gospel in his family, as well as investing in children and grandchildren, he said, Oh, that the line may continue for years to come, till as long as generations are born, there shall be one of our kith and kin to carry the standard and sound the trumpet and fight for the Lord of Israel. So there's a much loftier aspect to our, our grandparenting, which is um, passing the gospel down to future generations. And it starts with a number of different ingredients. Uh, one ingredient is um, modeling godly behavior. Um, two is building close relationships with our grandkids so that they know that, that we love them so that they'll be more open and willing to uh, listen to us when we talk about spiritual things and training them and those types of things. And, the, and that leading, hopefully, to conversations about the Lord and about their own heart, um, about all the different aspects of the gospel, uh, sin and <clears throat> redemption, Christ's sacrifice, and all those things. So as I mentioned, I did look up every, every scripture mentioning grandparents and all that, and really there aren't that many of them. But one of the most, I think, well-known uh, New Testament uh, verses and passages that you're all aware of uh, that I'm just going to bring up here now is, was given from Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, um, where Paul, Paul says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure it is in you as well. 
So Timothy's grandmother Lois and mother Eunice had a very clear testimony that Paul uh, immortalized in scripture in mentioning them as, as being the basis and the bedrock of Timothy's faith is his godly upbringing um, from his grandmother and his mother. And, you know, their example of Christ's likeness, they're living the faith and not being, being hypocritical. So what you saw in the home is what you saw outside the home. And they, he, Timothy got to see it all. He got to see everything that they, they did and said. And um, his, his verdict was, you know, that they you know, were faithful Christians who had a, a wonderful testimony. We also know that Timothy was raised not only under that godly example, but also um, in the scriptures. So in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul um, states to Timothy, says, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy had a word, a Bible and word-filled upbringing that I'm sure coupled with, and so he had truth in his life, coupled with the godly example of his grandmother and, grand, and mother um, were a large uh, part in his salvation, in his uh, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this passage, there's mentioned at least three generations of Timothy's family. It's his grandmother, his mother, and himself. And we don't really know, I don't know if uh, tradition or church history tells us much about Timothy's family beyond that, but I would I would venture to guess that there were other godly uh, remnant that continued on, you know, from that root. Uh, Psalm 71, 17 through 18, exhorts the reader to teach God's wondrous deeds to the generations to come. So this is that whole concept of future generations and investing in that. So it says, O God, you have taught me from my youth that I still declare your wondrous deeds, and even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. So again, it's the, uh, the gray-haired brigade, um, you know, um, taking the standard and continuing on, not giving up in investing in, uh, in youth and in those that are, are younger than ourselves. Uh, Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7 says, Which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born. In verse 7, that they should put their confidence in God, not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so again, it's the generations. Uh, Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So again, generations. Uh, Psalm 103, 17 through 18 says, But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So that's grandchildren, right? To those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So again, you know, it's our, our, our job to teach the future generations, including our, our children and grandchildren, to love and obey the Lord. So this one perspective is investing. Um, and this last week, um, my wife, Cammie, had the chance to go and have uh, lunch with an 87-year-old friend of ours that we 
eminently respect who had raised their children, grandchildren, now having great-grandchildren, and just asked her. Um, she, Cammie was kind of like my, my secret agent, you know, getting information for me. So, so she, uh, she asked her and said, and, and asked her, what, what's kind of the key to you and, and your observations as far as your grandparenting? And she said this. She said that the parents instruct, but the grandparents invest. And, you know, I think that's, that's a great, an incredible summary of Scripture um, because we know from Proverbs, we know from Ephesians, we, you know, all the different passages about parenting that, you know, it's instruct your children, instruct your children, teach your children. When you sit down, stand up, um, you know, in, in every way, you know, you, you know, the parents are to instruct their children. They're living with them every single day. You know, we as grandparents mostly don't. Sometimes we might, but we mostly don't. But the parents are in the trenches every single, <clears throat> every single day. So they're, they're instructing, and we're investing. And so that's a little bit, a little bit different. You know, we're not the ones that are going to really um, uh, chastise them when they do something wrong. You know, that's up to the parents. Um, we can kind of, kind of um, shepherd them and kind of shy them back into right, right behavior uh, and, and call them on it according to what their parents want us to do. But that's not our, our, our main... Um, you know, our main role. So like in Titus 2, the pattern is the older men, the older women teaching the younger. Um, but in order to be doing this, um, there's also a, a foundational principle that we have to understand um, before even we're grandparents, and that is our relationship with our adult children that are married. So that's really a key concept. So... Um, if we don't get it right, uh, there's a great potential for strife, all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues down the road. So we really need to get this right as far as uh, um, what the Bible te- teaches us about that. So, so in your wedding, think back, pull back the cobwebs, you know, think back on your wedding day. Probably this verse was... was, um, was uh, Proclaimed as part of your wedding ceremony and possibly your children's wedding ceremony as well, which is Genesis 2.24. So, you know, I'm sure all of you are familiar of this, that for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, not two, but one. So this is like a whole new entity, a whole new family unit that is independent of the parents. So dads, on that fateful day of your, your daughter's wedding, when you walked them down the aisle and you handed their hand off to that young man in the front row and the pastor said, who is it that gives this woman to be married to this man? And you said, her mother and I do. And then you went, set, and, went and sat down. Um, guys, I don't know how you felt, but for me it was kind of a weird feeling. You know, it's the... It's the the ending of one era and the entering of a whole new season of life where um, I had to, to turn you know, my daughter over to this young man and that biblically he was to be, be her, her head and, and lovingly lead her and be the leader of his family and I needed to give him the freedom to do that. Moms, I'm really sorry, but on that 
her, her mother and I do day, your son, um, you're not number one in your son's life anymore. But don't feel bad because Mother's Day is the second most popular holiday next to Christmas. Father's Day is, I think, number 22 on the list. So, um, so don't worry. You know, on the sideline, he'll always say, hi, mom, at the football game or whatever. So he always remembers mom. So, you know, that's one thing. That, now, I know many of you, I've seen many familiar faces out here in the, in the audience here, and um, I know you know these things, but we've had a big turnover at Grace Community Church. A lot of new people have been here in the last couple of years, and maybe some of you here may not have even ever heard this before. So that's why I'm taking the time to reinforce it, to re-mention it, and, and to emphasize it, because it's really important. So, you know, we, we now have to figure out how to negotiate um, letting them go and letting them be their own family. And I'm, I'm really, really glad that, uh, remembering back when we were newlyweds, that, you know, there's an excitement to um, starting your lives together and figuring out how you're, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and, and all of those things. <clears throat> and we don't really want to get in the way of... Um, of that process. So it's really important to kind of let them go. So now that's not to say that we're not going to sweat bullets over them for the entire rest of our lives, quietly praying like crazy over every trial that they endure and every sickness and every lost job and just everything that happens. You know, we're not going to be um, totally sweating bullets over that, but it's no longer really... Our, our job to fix everything magically for them. You know, we have to let them figure things out on their own. You know, I, and this is really important, this, this autonomy, this leaving and cleaving. Um, I was speaking to a young man uh, not too long ago who had the situation where he was engaged, the wedding was in about a week or two, and the wife's, or his fiance's dad, came to him and said, well, you know, she is always, my daughter, she is always going to be under my authority, always. And he's thinking, that's not biblical. What in the world is going on here? And so he went to his, his um, fiance and asked, is that true? You know, are you going to listen to your dad over me? And, you know, even though it's biblical for, you know, me to be lovingly lead you and, and be the head of our, our marriage. And she said, yeah. And so he called it off. And the reason... If he had not called it off, he was in for a life of struggle and, and difficulty. So um, it's just so important to get this right because you're going to cause a lot of problems if you don't. So I just wanted to kind of bring, bring that up. Now, we're all believers. I'm assuming you know, that, that, you know, that we're believers here. And if, if we are, um, our, our kids, sometimes they will get in trouble. They will make choices that are sinful, and we're not to be so passive that we never say anything to them. So as a fellow believer, you know, you can go and, you know, lovingly confront your, your kids if there's something that's like a sin issue. But in terms of other types of decisions that they make and so on, we really should try to stay out of the way. And, and we have to do that with great, um, great tact and great... Um, 
you know, with words that are gracious words, words that are um, just exactly the right word at the right time. So like in Deuteronomy 4.9, oh, excuse me. So, so anyway, that's, that's really, really important. You know, I think about um, Colossians 4.6. It says that our speech should be seasoned with salt so we always know how to answer. And Ephesians 4.29 is that we would bring grace to those that hear. And I always think about, when I think about that verse in Colossians, I think about popcorn. You think about popcorn, that's weird. No, but I always think about popcorn because popcorn at a movie theater with butter on it, you put exactly the right amount of salt on it and it's delicious. But if some wise guy unscrews the, um, the top of the salt shaker so that it's just barely loosely on and you go pour the salt on, what happens? It's ruined. It's just way too salty, way too much. And so that's the way we should be. You know, we should be very judicious with our words, with our kids. You know, it's very important to do that, to bring grace to those that hear. So just in summary of what this first point, um, we're going to consider the generations ahead, you know, as Acts 1-8 is our Jerusalem. Uh, Deuteronomy 4-9 says, it's only give heed to yourself and your, your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and grandsons. So there's one of the grandson verses that that I found. But it's just talking about that investment in the future. Um, Developing healthy space for your married children so they grow, uh, leaving and cleaving. And which brings us to our second point, which is um, prayer. So one of the major ministries of us as we grandparent is the ministry of prayer. Um, it's one thing that, that is so crucial um, is just in going to the Lord with all of our needs and including those for our kids and grandkids. So I'm going to list um, some, some potential uh, matters of prayer that you might want to to pray for your, your kids and grandkids. Um, I spent some time thinking about this, and the only limitation to this list is your own imagination just and your own individual situation with your, your kids and grandkids. You know, there's just a million different things that you obviously are going to be praying for them for, but just a few things that I thought of is one thing for our kids as they train their, their children, our grandkids, um, just for wisdom in godly parenting, you know, like in Proverbs, um, you know, utilizing that, raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, you know, Ephesians, Ephesians 6, that they wouldn't provoke their children to anger. And that when they do need to correct them, they would do it with great wisdom and patience and, uh, and would do it biblically, you know, occasionally when they need chastisement, that would occur, that they wouldn't shrink from that, but they would know when a word is what they need to, to correct them or not. Um, and just, um, just for their marriage, you know, that is the primary relationship. When you have kids, it's just so consuming and they, their needs are so great especially when they're little, they depend on you for everything. And then when they leave college, they still depend on you for everything. You know, I'm just, just kidding. Hopefully not. But, um, 
but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just an overwhelming task uh, at times and very difficult, as you know, having experienced it yourselves. There's different seasons of life. It's when they're really little. You know, then it's kind of into the school age years and then the, um, you know, the transition between childhood and adulthood, which is more middle school, you know, high school when they, they have more adult thoughts and in terms of how you can approach them and have discussions with them, you know, and then into college and beyond. So, you know, there's all kinds of different um, uh, seasons that they go through, in both our kids and grandkids. And it takes a lot of wisdom for parents even to go through and negotiate all of those things. Um, I remember um, when my kids were in high school and just communicating with them became more of a chore. You know, you had to really work at making time to spend together with them and to engage them and to talk to them about things. And, you know, if you didn't really, weren't super intentional, it just wasn't going to happen. You know, because it's like, especially the guys, it's like, so what'd you do today? Oh, nothing. Where'd you go? Out. What'd you do? Nothing. You know, it's like these one word, these one word answers are just grunts and you have to really, you know, kind of draw it out of them. So it's, it's a real chore for our kids. So be praying for that and just for their marriage, that they'd have a solid marriage in the midst of all this, because you can get lost in the parenting and you kind of forget what the, the main relationship is really um, the married couple, you know, and the, and the kids are a welcome addition, but that's the married couple. So for your grandchildren, so that's kind of why we came here, <laughs> is to talk about that. So the first number one uh, thing that, that we prayed for and continue to pray for since before the kids were even born is their salvation, right? You know, that's, that's the one thing that, that we, we desire above all things is to see our kids come to Christ. Um, you know, we always pray for their health and well-being, and when they're sick, we wish we could take it on ourselves, you know, when they were, when we were our, our own children, especially our grandchildren. I know, um, you know, our, our oldest granddaughter, um, she was around um, this nice doggy in a coffee shop, and the nice doggy turned on her and just and bit her in the face, and she had to go through rabies shots and all these different things, and it was very painful. And, you know, you just, if there's any way you could make it be you instead of them, you, you do. But, you know, just, just praying for that, that's really important. And praying for wisdom and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trusting the Lord with all our hearts. Um, another kind of unusual one that, that I think is important is pray for their future spouse, even when they're babies. Because God knows who that's going to be if it's his will that they be married. He knows who that's going to be. And you want it to be with someone who loves Christ and is going to be a solid leader. So even, you know, even before our, our granddaughters were born and our, our little son, we're, we're praying for whoever it is out there that the Lord has for them. Maybe they're not even born yet, but um, just for who that person is going to be and that the Lord would bring them together at the proper time uh, for his glory. You know, Proverbs 19:14 that a prudent life, wife is from the Lord, so we know that God causes those things to come together. Another really important one as they get older is for their friends and companions. That is really crucial. Uh, who they choose to be friends with models and uh, portends in a lot of ways who they're going to be influenced by. And, you know, you really want their influence, influence to be ones that lead them toward Christ, not away from Christ. So their, their influences are really important. 
Pastor MacArthur's written a couple of books on parenting, and that's one of the big points he made is that, you know, he helped his kids with who their friends were going to be. And if it was somebody that they didn't want them to be around, they weren't around them. You know, they, they were very, they, they realized how crucial and critical that this is. And, you know, they really intervened when necessary um, to, to kind of make sure that they were, their friends were ones that were going to be uh, edifying and up, upbuilding and uplifting and not tearing them down. <clears throat> Another thing is, if they are to be believers, um, pray that they would manifest the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Um, pray that they would grow in love, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, that they would develop a heart for the lost, you know, that when they get old enough to go on short-term missions trips and volunteer and, and uh, minister in the church, that they, they would have a, a great desire to do that. You know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Acts 1, 8. Um, that they would have a love for the saints, Ephesians 1, 15. And they would have a love for the church, um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, of course, um, not forsaking our own assembling together. I remember a, a few years ago, um, my daughter and my son-in-law were living in North Carolina. And uh, they were going to a large church there, very similar to our church. And we went to first service with them in the main sanctuary. And then um, we were following them down this hallway toward where the student ministries area was. They actually have a whole building for student ministries there. We have a basement, but they have a whole building. And so they have beautiful room for the high school and for um, the junior high. And they were ministering on high school staff. And I was kind of following behind them. And just emotionally, it was kind of weird. I just started getting misty all of a sudden and, and getting kind of emotional and just, just thanking the Lord, um, that he, first of all, that he saved them. And then second of all, that he, um, that he placed in them a desire to serve the church and to be a part of that, which isn't something that you don't make them do that. You know, they, they choose to do that. So um, it's all of the Lord, and we praise him for it. So that just, um, just thought I'd just share that little story with you guys. But, yeah, it, it's a blessing, but it's all in the Lord's hands. Um, pray for your grandkids that they would do their responsibility um, from Ephesians 6, which is to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, because when they're young, that's, that's the main um, thrust of the parents' ministry to them is socializing them, teaching them right from wrong, teaching them to obey. Uh, their parents who they can see that eventually they're going to obey God that um, is spirit. And most of all, that they would love our Lord Jesus most of all, um, John 14, 21, that he who has his commandments loves him so that they would love him and want to obey him. So for ourselves, there's a whole bunch of things that we can be praying for ourselves that we would grow in. Um, the first thing is wisdom, because just like the parents have to um, exhibit a lot of wisdom in the choices that they make, the things that they say, the things that they do, and being an example at home, we need wisdom in um, ministering to our family. Because uh, there's a whole bunch of things. The kids get busy. Um, you know, the kids get sick. The grandkids get sick. You know, all kinds of things. Different, um, just negotiating different um, situations that come up. So we need a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, and 
another thing is we need to understand God's providence. So just pray that we would trust God above all in everything that happens. Because a lot of times things that we're planning and things that we would like to see happen with our family doesn't happen. And we have to trust the Lord and his sovereignty in those things. So that's really, really important. Which leads to something else, um, Philippians 4.11, that Paul said that having done everything, that that I'm content. And so there's a content, being content with whatever the Lord does allow to happen. Uh, even though it may not be in, in be exactly what you expected or planned or um, wanted to happen, a lot of times that doesn't happen. So we need to be uh, content in what the Lord has provided um, and, that, and to be thankful. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and everything, give thanks. So the reason that is so important is because for us not to um, kind of be disappointed by what we don't have, but we would be thankful to the Lord for what we do have. You know, in terms of the amount of time that we get to spend with our grandkids, you know, just a myriad of different things. Um, times that we thought we were going to get to spend with them and then it looks like we're not now, all those things. So being thankful for what the Lord has given us in terms of our time and our relationship with our grandkids. Uh, which leads to um, Philippians 2.14 is do all things without grumbling and complaining, <laughs> okay? So sometimes if things don't work out, we tend to, uh, to grumble a little bit and, and uh, be upset about it. But, you know, going back to understanding God's providence, being content and being thankful, that kind of wards that off. Um, and then also... Um, that's another thing that we need to pray for ourselves is that we wouldn't compare ourselves to other families and other grandparents and other situations. I mean, you know, I, I've been a medical doctor for a long time, so I have a whole bunch of people that I've cared for for like 30 years, a lot of them, so that I've seen them go through grandparenting years. Some are believers, some are not believers. But um, one thing Sometimes they would say, yeah, my kids left, leave next, live next door, and I get to see my grandkids every single day, all the time. And I'm thinking, well, we don't. Um, you know, so, you know, so it's not comparing yourselves to others. It's being thankful for what the, God, what the Lord has provided, not for you know, the perceived things that he hasn't provided. So that's really important. And that's another thing leading to envy, which is sin. So 1 Peter 2, 1, we don't want to be envious of others. So we do, don't want to compare ourselves. And one thing, too, is even with our in-laws. So um, sometimes um, in-laws might have more access to the grandkids and things, and we just, you know, just because of proximity or whatever reason, and we need to, again, not be uh, envious but be thankful that, um, that they have, our, our grandkids have wonderful grandparents to minister to them that are close by. So that's a wonderful blessing for them. Okay, so that leads us kind of to our next, um, our next topic. So, so far, you know, we've gotten a perspective on grandparenting, about investing in our grandkids and in the future generations. Um, we've, you know, we have some insights into what to pray for. And again, it's not limited by what I said. This is only just a priming the pump of the millions of things that you can think of to pray for your grandkids. So this leads us to our next uh, point, which is prefer. And what I mean by prefer is um, serving our, serving our, our kids and, and grandkids. So one way um, 
we do want to be as involved with our grandkids as we can, but it has to be in concert with our kids' wishes. So we may want to be there 24-7, but it just, they need their privacy, they need their time, you know, they need, they need things. And so, you know, we have to be sensitive to that. So one thing that's, that we can minister to our, our kids and grandkids is we can obey our kids' directives about their wishes as far as the time that we spend with their, their, their children, so our grandkids. So, you know, we talked about grandma and her new purse, you know, that does it still have candy in it? So it's, you know, how much sugar to give them, um, when bedtime is going to be, if they're, if they're spending the night at our house, um, if what bedtime should be, um, you know, when nap time is, making sure that we feed them on time, you know, if they have a bottle at a certain time that we make sure that we do all the things that, that our kids want us to do for them. You know, what activities, you know, it, you know, whether watching a movie or whatever, what that might be, whether they want that, whether they don't want that. Um, one thing to never do is don't never pull this line, which is we just won't tell your parents about that, right? So, yeah, so you let them stay up a half an hour extra, just cop to it, tell your kids you did it, you know, but because that just creates... Um, <clears throat> dishonesty, the fact that telling a mistruth is, is okay, suppressing the truth from the parents is, is okay, so never do that. Um, and, you know, and the other thing is, you know, we don't want to undermine uh, our kids' authority over their kids, so over our grandkids. So Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents at all thing, in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So we want them to obey their parents and not to for us to kind of undermine that. So that's really important. So other things we can do, and these are all, this is not rocket science. I'm sure you're all doing this already, but I'm just going to mention a lot of things anyway. Um, Babysitting for them because it gives your kids a respite uh, from the mantle of responsibility. I don't know if you guys, again, can remember way back when, when you were new parents and you got to finally your your darlings were old enough to leave with someone else and you got to go out on a date and then you spent the whole time talking about how much you missed your kids. Um, but, but seriously, just having the mantle of responsibility that you didn't have to worry whether they were going to stick their finger in a light socket, jump off a jungle gym, break something, you know, whatever, just to have that freedom for a little while is just money and so important for your, your kids. Um, letting them go on dates, letting them have some uninterrupted time going shopping, you know, where they don't have to worry about where the kids are running off to or whatever. Just having that is is a real blessing to them. Um, Assisting them, things like bath times, um, putting them to bed for them, um, praying with them, teaching them, um, going going shopping for your daughter or um, daughter-in-law, you know, so that they can stay home and don't have to drag out to go shopping. You know, go shopping and bring the groceries home, whatever, if that, ne- that needs to happen. Um, teach your grandkids different skills. Um, this is a really good thing. Um, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. one of my friends that's a missionary in Africa, um, he told me this, that he taught his son that... Um, it's important to, have, to be skilled at your work. So it isn't just that you have a job, 
it's not enough to just have a degree, that you need to be actually able to do something and, and have a skill. So it says, do you see a man skilled in his works? He shall stand before kings. And I thought that was, that was really a wonderful uh, uh, insight. So any skills that you can teach them, you know, cooking, uh, baking, sewing, um, different sports skills, you know, whether it be hitting a golf ball, catching a baseball, throwing a football, kicking a soccer ball. Um, if you're handy, teaching them to build things, you know, little projects together, you know, whether it be a lighthouse or, or excuse me, like a birdhouse or whatever. Also, like my, my daughter-in-law um, is quite, quite an artist and, you know, even though they're her kids, not grandkids, but someday she's going to be able to teach her grandkids how to paint. She's a wonderful painter with watercolors and is teaching her kids how to do that. So um, that's, that's a really great thing. Any of that kind of stuff, crafts type things. Um, if you're handy, teach, teach both boys and girls how to use tools, maybe how to fix, fix something. Um, gardening, uh, taking them camping. There's a whole skill set in terms of how to set up a tent and start a fire or, you know, do all the things you need to do for camping. That that's, that's a neat skill to have. You know, fishing, you know, how to tie a, a hook on a line. You know, that's, that's a whole skill as well. Um, taking them on outings, um, things like, you know, things like pumpkin patch, you know, the beach, occasional theme park, um, um, all these type of things, um, taking them swimming, all these things build rapport. And like I was saying, is that investments and building that rapport with them shows them that you love them, which then opens their heart for you to talk about the really important things with them, you know, like the Lord. Um, reading to them, Bible stories when they're really little, you know, ultimately the Bible, um, <clears throat> helping them with scripture memory. Those are all great things. You know, other, you know, kids' books, Winnie the Pooh or whatever is, is fine too. Uh, singing Sunday school songs with them, especially when they're really little. Yeah, one thing that I do since I live far away from my, my grandkids is I do play the guitar. So what I'll do is I will record a video and sing them like a Sunday school song or, or sometimes some other nursery rhyme or other type of song and send it to them in, in video form so they know I'm thinking about them and they um, not only enjoy it, but they will play it over and over and over again because they're little. They just keep hitting play on their parents' cell phone and uh, they enjoy that and they know that I'm thinking about them and love them. I sing them happy birthday, send them... Um, send them videos for that too, and, and they enjoy that as well. Another thing is praying together. And so that's really learning how to, how to pray as they see their grandparents pray, their parents pray, uh, and um, it also just continues to build also that love and rapport as we pray together. Um, kindly correct them. Uh, do that, though, however, in line with their parents' wishes uh, so that you are doing, um, on the same, doing things that are on the same page with their parents. Uh, another thing that's really important is if at school or at church or uh, any type of venue, there's a grandparents' day. Make sure that you go to that and that you do everything that is a part of that included including, you know, if lunch is included, that you would take them out to lunch, that you would do that. 
Uh, they love that. Um, that's really important to them to um, have the security of having parents, but also having grandparents um, that love them and care for them. Uh, if, if, the, if necessary and their parents aren't able to do that, or if they're not feeling well, maybe um, pick them up and take them to church with you. Um, that's really uh, input in inculcating um, the Lord in their lives, making sure that they know that you think and their parents think that church is a priority and that you want to be there and you want them to be exposed to uh, Sunday school and all the things that they would be learning at church. Um, just having fun with them, building memories, um, that's that's fun, uh, fun activities uh, with them. You know, you're, the only limit on that is your imagination. Um, go to their games and their performances. Uh, it, one thing that I found out in going to a, a Christmas program for my four-year-old granddaughter is afterwards she said, you know, you know, Papa, you big Papa, you didn't you didn't look at me. So I was talking to one of my friends before the, the performance even began, but she looked over at me and I didn't make eye contact with her. So I learned very, a very good lesson that I needed to really home in, pay attention and make eye contact uh, when she is doing something like that. That's really important to them that you're there and, and that shows how much you love them and that you care. Uh, one thing that our pastor, Pastor MacArthur, uh, once said to his his kids uh, who are very involved in sports and uh, in baseball and football and such, uh, he, he said, well, if you if I go to your games, you have to go to my sermons. So uh, so they were always always there at church um, listening to their dad's sermons. Uh, get on the floor with them, um, play with them, uh, make a tent, uh, uh, do a fort in, you know, in the living room, that type of thing. They love things like that. Uh, get on the floor with them and build Legos or, or do various things like that. You know, the older you get, the harder that becomes, but, you know, you do the best you can to, to keep doing that. As they get older, you know, one way we minister to them and to their parents and serving them and preferring them is chauffeuring them. So you're picking them up from school, you're taking them to taking them places, doing things for them. Um, another thing is um, you are, you know, all of us, one of the things about the title you know, about to get to to spoil or not to spoil. But one thing is we all tend to want to give our grandkids gifts. If you're going to give them something that's a, a bigger ticket item uh, make sure that you discuss it beforehand with your kids and do according to what their direction is. Uh, little little stuff, things the dial the dollar the dollar aisle at uh, the dollar store, you know, little little kind of fun things for them. That's that's uh, um, that I think that's basically okay, but just make sure also that their parents uh, do do agree with what you're doing for them. And one absolutely crucial thing is you may have a little closer rapport with one of your grandkids than you might with others. Um, so don't, do not under any circumstances uh, show, show any favoritism. 
Um, and just keep in mind that the world doesn't need any more spoiled, indulged kids, um, and the church doesn't either. So just, re just remember that memories are better than stuff because they last a lifetime. Uh, the stuff winds up getting thrown out and um, discarded eventually, but uh, memories and things that you did with them that are special to them, uh, they will remember and they last a lifetime. So the next, next point that we're going to uh, talk about is what I'm calling postscripts. So these are special circumstances. What I've been talking about so far is, is if your kids are Christians, um, you know, you don't know if your grandkids are Christians yet, but, but your kids are, and you're kind of on the same page. And even that can be, can be dicey and somewhat uh, challenging um, you know, when you want to do certain things, be with them certain times, give them certain gifts and all that, you know, those are things that need to be worked out. But what if, and I'm going to give you a, a number of different scenarios here, what if your kids are not believers? And what if they're not open to your biblical godly input into their kids' lives? They don't want to, want you to take them to church. They don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want you to pray with them. They don't want you to read the Bible with them. And to make matters even more challenging, what if they threaten to cut off your involvement with your, your grandkids unless you comply? Well, what do you do? Um, do you sue them for, for grandparent uh, um, visitation rights? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, Proverbs twenty five twenty two talks about... Um, uh, through kindness that we would heap burning, burning coals on their heads. So in other words, um, through our kind and gracious treatment of them, that that would um, win them over uh, to being more open to, um, to us having godly input in their kids' lives. And pray. Uh, it's very important to, to trust the sovereign king of the universe, our Lord Jesus Christ, in answer to prayer. So praying per, for patience um, because it may not be the way we want it to be for a while. Um, praying for contentment for the things that are that you would be able to live out even without um, without a word by your godly conduct. Your, your grandchildren would pick up on uh, your love for Christ and they would want to ask you questions and be... Um, uh, be influenced by your your lives, uh, persistence, um, not giving up, and continuing on in prayer, and um, being kind, being gracious, uh, particularly with our words, not getting angry, uh, not being accusatory, not being challenging, um, but having kind, gracious words, and. Um, Another thing that's important is not to criticize the parents to the grandchildren um, because you, do, you don't want to draw, drive a wedge there and uh, you don't want to be doing things with complaining and you know, praying for, obviously, for the salvation of your children. Another scenario, what if your children are divorced? The dad or the mom is now out of the picture in terms of a, a daily influence in the children's lives and the children are being shuttled between one set of parents and the other. Divorce is always 
um, painful in, for everyone, including the grandparents. Uh, it's especially difficult for the kids, and having you as grandparents being there as kind of a rock of married uh, influence in, their, in your grandchildren's lives will be really crucial. Um, is your daughter now living with you uh, with her children uh, because she's no longer in her home anymore? Uh, so maybe the grandpa, you need to step up and be that male influence in their lives. What if your son moves in with you for a similar reason? Um, also, uh, providing grandma, providing that you know, motherly input into the children's lives. Uh, how would discipline and correction um, come into play? Of course, that would be uh, with the... Um, the ascent of the and the uh, um, the backup of of the the parent, but what if another thing would be um, what if you are now the exclusive parents to your grandchildren due to death, military deployment, abandonment, um, maybe someone is in jail or prison, that type of thing. Um, what if you're what if you are now the exclusive parents? and you're raising them yourselves. That's like totally starting over and having the role of a parent. I recently was out to lunch with a friend that is a pastor in Northern Ireland, and there are some twin brothers, one of which is an intern at, at this pastor's church, and another one is an intern, a pastoral intern at his father's church. And actually, we got to host these two young men in our home during um, Shepherd's Conference a year ago. And I didn't know about this, but the two of them were raised by their grandparents. And they still have um, a wonderful relationship with grandpa and grandma. Uh, the grandpa kind of acts like dad, and they, um, they love and respect him and are so thankful even to this day uh, for his godly advice and input in their lives. So, um, you know, that can actually wind up being uh, a really positive thing. So another scenario is what if your kids are either, either aren't married due to divorce or uh, the loss of a spouse, that type of thing, or, and they remarry and you have new grandchildren through remarriage, or if your grand or your children adopt. So there's the whole aspect of getting to know and accepting these new grandchildren into your family and loving them. And just remembering that, you know, we are adopted into God's family and he lovingly and, and with open arms uh, accepts us into his family. And that's really what we need to be doing as well. Again, uh, accepting and not showing any personal favoritism, as it says in James, um, you know, that we should uh, be totally accepting for those children. What if your grandchildren or children live far away, or what if your children decide that they are going to move far away? Uh, statistics show that about in more than 50% of families, uh, grandchildren live more than 200 miles away. 
So what do you do? Um, do you do you decide to move there? Uh, that's that's one possibility. Uh, how are you going to work out um, visiting them? Uh, the uh, utilizing the miracle of FaceTime, <laughs> which is uh, just an amazing uh, tool for maintaining relationship with our with our grandchildren. I know that I have a friend who is one of our missionaries, and he and his team of um, of of doctors um, at a hospital. Uh, they have they chose to use a pretty significant amount of their budget uh, to get really good satellite internet, and the reason for that is so that they can FaceTime the grandparents because uh, to them it was worth it having the input of their grandparent the grandparents in their children's lives. So that's FaceTime is wonderful, uh, visiting, um, planning vacations, meeting halfway, that type of thing. Um, you know, going on, like I say, a vacation together. One thing that is underestimated in the electronic age is writing letters. Uh, children don't receive mail almost ever anymore. And so generating uh, letters and cards and things like that uh, is, is a treat and a delight to them. So uh, definitely, if they're far away, utilize that uh, modality of uh, of love and communication with them, and sending them packages with you know with little little things in them that would please them and make them uh, that they would really enjoy, um, and just just that you took the time to um, to do that um, would be a real blessing to them. So, in summary, uh, grandparenting is different than parenting, um, and it should be gospel-centered, um, discipleship-oriented, uh, providing guidance and uh, for for the grandchildren. Um, you're going to come alongside your your children uh, to serve them, to pray for them, and to bless them. And again, <clears throat> again, uh, specific prayers uh, and being proactive, uh, even praying for things for the future that haven't even happened yet, um, even when the, the, the children are, are, haven't even been born yet. Um, serve your kids and grandkids as you grandparent. Uh, trust the Lord's guidance in distance, divorce, division, adoption. Uh, either those new to the family or taking in and raising uh, your grandkids. <clears throat> and just realizing that you and your, and your in-laws, <clears throat> they bring different gifts and blessings to your grandkids. Um, I was speaking to a friend of mine who... Um, who was telling me that how, what a blessing both sets of grandparents are and how they bring very different um, gifts to their grandkids. Um, one set are believers, the other set are not. 
the ones set that are believers are a little less well off, and so they don't really buy the kids a whole lot of things. Uh, the other ones that aren't believers, they're able to do some special things like trips to Disneyland, buying uh, cl school clothes, uh, you know, occasionally giving a little bit more um, uh, expensive thing to, to the family um, that, that really helps and blesses them. And the kids know that, that they love them, not just from the gifts, but um, because they, they seek to know them in, in knowing what to, to kind of provide for them. Uh, the other set of grandparents, uh, grandma in particular, sits down with the kids, gets to know them personally, spends quality time, uh, asks them about their spiritual lives, um, witnesses to them, talks to them about the Lord, and that's kind of more her gift to them. And so both of them bring something to the table that her grandkids enjoy and are blessed by. So just just um, something, um, you know, a word on, on the role of, of both you and your, um, your in-laws. Because some of you, um, you may live close to your kids and your in-laws may live far away or vice versa. And so, you know, there's going to be a different amount of interaction and have to be some creativity as far as uh, being a part of the grandchildren's lives. Um, so, you know, to spoil or not to spoil, um, probably you're going to have the tendency to spoil. You're going to want to do that. But, um, you know, be sure that you, you're really um, being appropriate and, and talking to your children about things that you want to get for your grandkids. Um, a couple of resources that I would recommend to you is um, there's a book by a, a pastor um, from uh, that is also a grandparent that wrote a book called Grandparenting with Grace, Living the Gospel with the Next Generation. Uh, the author is named Larry E. McCall. And uh, Pastor McCall um, wrote this extremely helpful um helpful uh, book on grandparenting. He has a lot of pastoral experience. Uh, it's chock full of scripture. It's very challenging because a lot of it isn't necessarily specific to grandparenting, but just how to be a, um, a godly Christian and witness in the world. Uh, but I found that to be very helpful I, in preparing for this. Uh, I benefited from reading it and um, you know, some of his, his ideas and things were things I also had thought of, but um, I was uh, encouraged by uh, the fact that he had kind of the same take on things that, that I was learning from the scriptures. Um, but I would really recommend that to you. Another thing that should be on the bookshelf of every believer that's really helpful in parenting and grandparenting is Practicing Proverbs, Wise Living for Foolish Times by Dr. Richard Mayhew. So this is a compilation of Proverbs that's placed and presented in a topical format so that you can look up different topics and find out what the Proverbs say about uh, all kinds of different um, aspects of godly living and wisdom, uh, both about the family and you know, every other aspect of things that are addressed in, in, in the Proverbs. And lastly, um, I took this picture 
or actually was taken of me uh, holding my um, 15 month old granddaughter's uh, hand, helping her to make it over some rough ground and keep her from falling. Uh, it, it shows the sha- the sun is behind us, so there's two shadows. There's a little short shadow and a long shadow. And the the long shadow obviously is me, and my hope is that someday when I am long gone, that she will uh, take my place in... Um, being an encouragement and investing in her grandchildren if the Lord wills that, that uh, she have, have grandchildren. So let's just end in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at the role of grandparents in the church and in our families. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom, you would give us patience, you would give us grace, you would give us love for our families, that we might be a blessing to them and that we would be used by you to further the gospel in our own Jerusalem, which is our own family. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.